Amen. I'm sure you've likely heard this phrase over the last two or three years in your digital travels for sure, and perhaps in other places, the phrase faith over fear, right? You've heard it. Faith over fear. You've likely heard that call to action somewhere, whether it be digitally or from your family or maybe on the news or maybe at work. You definitely saw it on social media or maybe a T-shirt or a bumper sticker. And at its best, all right, its best, this is good advice, right? At its worst, this is bad advice. Faith over fear, I'll leave it to you to determine in what way and shape it is good advice versus bad advice. But here's what I do know is that fear is a complex thing. It's complex because certain fears are good and certain fears are not good. Some are good, like the fear of the Lord or the fear of a wild animal and your body telling you to get out of harm's way. Or when you look at your child who's about to touch the hot stove and fear does not grip them and it does grip you and you begin to instill that fear into your child. These things are good, right? Other fears we would say are not so good or not so healthy for your soul. Fear of human interaction or a controlling fear of death and we could go on and on and on, but I'll let a more uh, appropriate person tell you. Kristen Francis, a medical doctor with the Huntsman Mental Institute, wrote these words. She said, disproportionate or persistent fears are based less on reality and can occur without any clear threat. These types of phobias can include anything from ones that we joke about, like the fear of clowns, the fear of the end of the world, or the fear that you have a rare disease. We all understand that there are things that sometimes creep in as fear that we cannot totally explain. Even down to some of the more basic ones, right? Like how many of us have had a conversation in our head for somebody before we had the conversation and we had ourselves all worked up and then we go have the conversation and it really wasn't anything that we thought it was going to be. I am talking about you. No. <laughs> we've all kind of done that though, right? Like we've, we've done something in our mind that, that isn't reality. We kind of understand that. There was another recent article in The Guardian. It was reviewing a book by Lars Svensson. If I messed up your name, I apologize. A Norwegian philosopher who wrote a book called A Philosophy of Fear, in which he states this. He says, our fear is a byproduct of our luxury. That if we didn't have so many comforts, we would be afraid of less things. So that was very interesting. The article goes on to say that the mass media pressure groups, the nanny state and all the guilty are all guilty of stoking the current climate of paranoia. Fear is a powerful emotion. It can save lives, but it also robs us of our freedom and undermines that essential social glue. Trust. Bertrand Russell once said that to conquer fear is the beginning of wisdom and Svensson agrees. If you're a follower of Jesus, your antennas went up on that last one because it was a borrowed phrase from the Bible that does not say that fear 
is that, or to conquer fear is the beginning of wisdom. In fact, we would say, no, 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 actually, healthy fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. More on that in a minute. But fear would be defined as this. Here's a definition. And I want you to have this definition because I think you might be thinking of fear as just something really terrifying. But actually, fear encompasses a little bit more than that. And I think we all experience it. Here's what it here's what a definition is. An unpleasant emotion or feeling of anxiety caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or is a threat. So let me ask you this question. What are you afraid of today? And don't just. Blast past the question because you don't think you're afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of nothing. Right? Like the American way. Like, I'm I'm not afraid of anything. Because we all are. Underneath the surface, we all have a fear of something. It may be related to your parenting. It may be related to your health. It may be related to your work. It may be related to control. It may be related to... Any number of things, but what are you afraid of today? Let me say it this way. What is your conscious or subconscious believing could cause you or a loved one pain or danger or a threat? Maybe for a few of us, there's some actual pressing dangers, but I would venture to guess that more of us would fall into the silent type of fear. The fear that we keep to ourselves, the fear that we suppress, the fear that we maybe don't tell a whole lot of people about, a more hidden anxiety, a less obvious fear. Henry Nouwen once wrote this about our human experience with fear. He said, underneath all of our emphasis on successful action, right? Underneath all of our culture's emphasis on successful action, Many of us suffer from a deep-seated, low self-esteem. And so our actions become more an expression of fear than they do of inner freedom. Think about that. Because of our emphasis on successful action, we typically live out the expression of inner Fear than inner freedom. What is the obvious problem with that? Is that for those of us that are followers of Jesus, the promise that Jesus made when he came was to set captives what? Free. So my question to you is what are you afraid of today? Because I think there's a lot of us that are not living, myself included, totally 100% free. We're caught in the chains of the materialism of this world. Feels a little closer to the reality that many of us live with. I'm not talking about what we project. I'm talking about what's in us. What is deep within you? Right? Because we run questions like this through our head, right? Am I ruining my kids? If I open my email, what will be there? Who should I marry? When should I marry? Will I ever get married? Where should I work? Where should I live? Will I get sick? Will I get better? And we could just go, right? Like we, like we could just go around the room and we could make that list and we could all like wallow in it and it would, we would at least have therapy today. 
But I get up here week after week and declare to you that there's freedom from that stuff. Why don't we, why, why do we know it's out there, but we never have it? How do I deal with my fear? What are you afraid of today? Other people? I've been telling you for a few weeks now of my observation of fear in this Advent story, in the narrative of Christmas, of Jesus coming to earth. I find it really interesting that every group or person that the angel of the Lord comes to, people are afraid. And wouldn't you be, right? Like when the glory of God shone round about, right? Like you've never seen that. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine being out on a hillside with some dirty sheep and being like, boom, glory of God. (laughs) You're like, am I, am I dying? Am I going to heaven? Am I like the next Elijah? Am I getting taken up? Like what's happening? Or should I be terrified? Right? Mary, angel Gabriel shows up in your room and you're like <laughs> you got the wrong person right joseph last week fear not to take mary as your wife why because think about the fears of taking a virgin in that culture to be your wife and oh by the way she's pregnant with god yeah that's some real stuff And so we come today to Luke chapter 2, into that traditional Christmas story, and we'll spend some time here today and into Christmas Eve, because again, we meet a group of shepherds here, and the command is again to not be afraid. Listen to this beautiful story, it says, in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And if you need to have the Charlie Bound Christmas scene in your head, that's fine. Linus reading. I'm happy to be that guy. That's how I see it. So feel free. But listen to this. Verse 9. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And what does it say? It says they were ecstatic and worshipped God. Is that what it says? What's it say? Tell me. Come on, class participation. What's it say? They were filled with what? Great fear. Not just, that was a little scary, but we're feeling better now. Right? Like, what's it say? It says, they were filled, filled with great fear. Have you ever had that experience? Not just of being afraid, but of, of you, you know what I'm talking about? Where you can feel your body being filled with fear. Or anxiety or depression or whatever the case may be. Yeah, we can resonate with this if we'll slow down and think about what's actually happening in the story. You can see these shepherds out in a field in the Middle East with their sheep. And suddenly the glory of the Lord shines around about them and they were filled with fear. Verse 10, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, 
All right. He's not just saying, hey, don't be afraid. He's giving them a reason not to be afraid. And I want you to be encouraged today by the same exact reason that whatever it is that would fill you with fear today, that would fill you with anxiety, that would fill you with depression, that would fill you with whatever you're struggling with, even if it's sin. Listen to what the angel says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Not just a few people, all the people. For the rest of time, all people. And by the way, there's no caveats to all people, is there? I think sometimes we get in our, we get in our theological high horse and we're like, well, it's for this group. No, no, no. What's, what does all mean? Come on. Everybody. Amen to that. Because every single person who has ever been born on this earth has been blessed by God. Simply by the air we breathe, the life we live, the relationships we have. James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And you and I need to be reminded of that, don't we? That in the midst of whatever we're dealing with, that there is good news of great joy for all people. That is the invitation of Advent. Why? For unto you, to you, to the earth, to the world, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And here's where the story takes a right hand turn. (laughs) You'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now that's very poetic in our in our day and age. That was not poetic in their day and age. That was a feeding trough for animals. Stable fit for a king, not exactly. Verse 13. Again, suddenly, I mean they must have been all over the place in their emotions. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, what peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, let's connect some dots here. Is it up to you to make God happy? It's not. What happened when Jesus living on this earth, went into the waters of baptism and was baptized, and the Father, Son, and Spirit were all present in the same moment. What does the Father say of the Son? This is my Son in whom I am what? Well pleased. The Father is pleased in the Son, and the Son went to the cross on your behalf so that you might have life and that you might have abundant life and find it to the full. Right here, right now. But you will only find that abundant life in the sun. You won't find it chasing the things of this world. Because Jesus' own confession, right, was, wouldn't it be a tragedy if I was to gain the whole world and lose my soul? So how do I conquer my fear of man? How do I conquer the anxieties of life? How do I conquer all of the things that this life has presented To me, to you. Well, it begins with the fear of the Lord. 
It's not that we get rid of fear, it's that we properly place our fear. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. What, what, what is complicated about that is the knowledge of the Holy One is not a tangible thing that I can grab onto. It's spiritual. It's in a realm that you can't see, but you know is there because you've interacted with it. You've prayed. You've worshipped. You've felt it. You've experienced it. And if disproportionate fear that we read about from the psychologist can rear its ugly head with no reason, then we have to stop reacting to it and start planning against it. Advent is an invitation to reorient your fear. The fact that Jesus stepped out of heaven and into earth and took on bodily form, that in the incarnation, you have a chance to reorient your fear because there is somebody greater who came and now lives within you. That is the invitation that we are giving here. And so reorienting our fear and anxiety is a decision of attention. Right? Last week we said, you're the sum total of what you give your attention to. And so if you are filled with fear today, I would look at the actions that you're taking on a daily basis. How do you start your day? How do you end your day? What's happening during your day? Does Jesus make his way into all of those places? Because if he doesn't, you're going to be filled with the anxieties of life. Right? What does it mean when Jesus says, abide in me and I in you? Right? And so... Advent is invitation to reorient that because fear is not the problem. The object of our fear is the problem. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 12, verse 4. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Thankfully... The one who has that authority is a good father, isn't he? Says he has that authority, but listen to what 2 Peter 3, 9 says, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So when the shepherds were in the field and the angel of the Lord appears to them, they were filled with great fear. And the Greek word for fear there refers not just to the concrete fear, but actually to the filling, the experience of being frightened. And I think that's important because the, the word fear there can have negative or positive implications based on just that word. Like what we do with that fear, that decision we make of what to give our attention to when something hits you and you begin to experience fear. What do you do with that? What are the tools? What do you grab when that happens? When life starts to go sideways What do you do with that fear? Do you turn to yourself and your plans and your products and your things or your God? And that's extremely practical because on a daily basis, we encounter obstacles. On a weekly basis, we encounter obstacles. On a monthly basis, yearly basis, some of them really big. Some of them completely out of our control. Where do you turn? What gets your attention? 
right? Because in those critical moments, we learn what's happening already in our non-critical moments. Does that make sense? That if we're the sum of what our attention is, then chances are when something big happens, we're not walking with the Lord. We might think that he's not there. What are you giving your attention to this Advent season? Notice that the angel invites the shepherds to reorient their fear. Angel says to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Negative fear becomes positive fear. Good news of great joy. Nothing changed. They were filled with fear and nothing changed except the announcement that there was a God who had came to save them. That's the only thing that changed. And I want you to know that nothing may change in your life, but I want you to know that there's a God who came to save you. He came to rescue you for eternity, but he also came that you might have life right now. But I think it looks a lot like letting go of some of the things of this world so that we can see and spend time with him. John 15:5 Jesus said, "I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it's he that bears much fruit." What is the fruit? The fruit is the sweet things of life that we get to taste and see that God is good. But if I never plug into the vine, if I'm never connected to the vine, I'm dying. Withering away. Because what's it say? It says, for apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing. You're like, but I'm, I mean, I breathe, I eat. I, yeah, yeah, but are you dying? Let's say that there's a lot of people in this world that are dying while they're living. I want to invite you to come back to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3 say, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that we cannot see, but we know they're there. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Those are two different things, by the way. I think we sometimes read that as though they're one. There are things that hinder us and there's sin that entangles us. We're told to get rid of those things. What is the thing that hinders you from seeing Jesus this Advent season? What's the thing that hinders you from being with Jesus, from, as we say in this season, from making room, from preparing him room. Right there, there is more than a metaphor there in that Christmas story that there was no room for Jesus in the inn. Because there, for a lot of us, there's no room for Jesus to get in. Yeah? Because we're busy. We're too busy for Jesus. And so here's what the scripture says, let us run with perseverance because all of those things don't go away. There's still a lot to do. Still a lot to be. There's still kids to raise. There's still work to do. There's still all of the things. But look, it says, run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Why? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So, back to our original, original question. 
faith over fear? Not exactly. Life is more complex than that. But I want you to believe in what you cannot see. And I actually want to suggest that you can see it to come back to that culturally eroded place of trust. To trust that these two dirty words in our secular moment, authority and lordship, when given to Jesus, are actually good news of great joy for all people. Amid your fears and amid your anxieties, there is great news of great joy for you. Listen to me, the incarnate word, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus was born to die to save people like you and I from our sins. One of the earliest writers, an early church father named Jerome, lived in the 300s, so not, not long after Jesus, wrote these words about the nativity. He wrote this, He, Jesus, found no room in the holy of holies that shone with gold, precious stones, pure silk and silver. He is not born in the midst of golden riches, but in the midst of dung in a stable where our sins were filthier than the dung. He is born on a dung hill in order to lift up those who come from it. From the dung hill, he lifts up the poor. And by the way, you and I are the poor. We're all the poor. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And so, fixing our eyes on him feeling small at the foot of his creation, waiting on him to act as we pray, is actually the way to peace. Peace is what was promised, right? Maddox read it from Isaiah 55. The shepherds were told that there was good news of great joy and that there would be peace on the earth. We're told that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so the shepherds were watching over their flocks. You ever wonder what happens to the sheep when they leave? Right? Because those were the circumstances of life for them. But look look back at the end of the story here in Luke chapter 2, verse 15 to 19. And I want you to specifically think about your life here. And the path to peace. peace. Luke chapter 2, verse 15, says this. When the angels went away from them into heaven. How cool would that have been? The shepherds said to one another, listen to this. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Which the Lord has made known to us. And here, here it is. And they what? They went with haste. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And I just want to ask you today, I want to invite you to that path to peace. In this Advent season, as we march toward Christmas, in the midst of your circumstances, I want to invite you to make haste to the one who lied in a manger. It seems outlandish in our 21st century secular moment. 
to think that there is a deity who came to earth to die, to rise, to ascend. And now I would give my life to that reality. But I just want to tell you that there's no other greater truth, no other greater reality, no other thing that you can that you could uh, attach your life to than that baby who lied in a manger. So this Advent, I want to invite you to make haste to Jesus, the path to peace. Amen? Let me pray. God, thanks for your word. Thank you for the shepherds. Thank you for the simple truths and the simple realities that we all face every single day. Holy Spirit, we need you to fill us. We need you to guide us in the midst of our hustle that we would carve out the necessary time for peace. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. And so I pray for every single person within the sound of my voice. Would you help us abide in you? And would you abide in us that we might know that you are true reality? We love you. It's your name that we pray. Amen.